Welcome to Most Popular, the podcast that combines the majesty of pop culture with the sexiness that is academic study. <laughs> I couldn't even say that without laughing. I'm Dr. Adria Trierbenik. I'm your host. In case you are hearing this for the first time, I am a real-life college professor of sociology, which I don't know why I said real life, like someone would try and fake being me. And I created this podcast to combine my two loves, pop culture, and the impact it has on our lives. Today, I am talking with my friend, Dr. Michael Gillespie. Michael is a professor of sociology and the director of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at Eastern Illinois University. He's also an expert in food inequality, or the way that food becomes something that is only available at times to specific groups. In all honesty, I was inspired to talk with Michael about this after a reading and st- reading a story about the rise in popularity of the cronut, which, if you're not familiar, is half cronut, half croissant, and half donut. I thought that surely this was a silly phenomenon until I discovered that this dessert has been around for a decade and at one point. It was being sold for $40 a cronut in New York City. $40. That's like one movie in 2023. I started to think uh, about fad foods and how all of this connects to people who either don't have anything to eat or don't have enough to eat. And this is a distinction that Michael will explain. So thus, this discussion was born. I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, Michael. Welcome to Most Popular. I'm so excited to have you here. So excited. I feel most popular. If you could see the the line on the software that tells me how loud I'm being, it just shot all the way to red because my level of excitement is is so crazy. Um, Awesome. So thank you for being my my first guest. I could not uh, have thought of anybody I wanted to do this with more. So uh, thank you. It's an honor. Let's do a few basic questions because, like I think I said in my email, not everybody understands the ins and outs and and um, the you know what food inequality means. So let's just do a few standard questions so that we can all get on sure. the same page. Um, so what sure. is what is food insecurity? What does that mean? Um. So food insecurity is essentially um, when the availability of nutritious, uh, adequate, and safe food is unavailable. Um, Mm -hmm. The United States Department of Agriculture, which actually oversees many of the food programs in our country, uh, defines um, food security as the access by all people at all times for enough food for an active, healthy life. And that goes for an entire household. Mm-hmm. So you can think of food security, food insecurity as the opposite of that, where that um, um, enough food for that active, healthy life is unavailable or it's threatened. So then how does that connect to SNAP? Because I know you talked about how you look at SNAP and you also look at food insecurity. Yeah. yeah. Well, SNAP, SNAP is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is more commonly known as food stamps. Yeah. And food stamps um, or SNAP exists to sort of bridge the gap 
between what households or individuals have available mm-hmm. and um, if they're underneath what the De- U.S. Department of Agriculture deems as the minimum subsistence diet. Okay. Uh, and there's, diff- there's different ways to figure that out. And it's got a, a long, dark history of, of how that goes. Um, but essentially, if um, you fall under a certain level of the poverty line, then you're deemed to not have sufficient access uh, to the resources needed to get enough food. And SNAP exists in its essence to, to bridge that gap. So depending on what your income is, uh, either as an individual or as a household, mm-hmm. um, your SNAP benefits are only the amount of money to bridge that gap. So some people get you know, $10 a month. Some people get hundreds of dollars a month, just depending upon mm-hmm. uh, where you fall. How does all of this apply to college students? Well, college students um, are a, a special population, and food insecurity uh, sort of affects different populations differently. Um, certainly, you know, single mothers who live in urban areas are a little different than college students who live on or near a college campus. Yeah. Um, and and. And another thing about food insecurity is that it looks different uh, to everyone, and and it's it's sort of hard to distinguish. Um, mm-hmm. You can't see it uh, necessarily unless you kind of know what you're looking for. Uh, so, food insecurity for college students uh, oftentimes looks like um, the inability to get nutritionally adequate food. Mm-hmm. Um, not by choice, uh, but by circumstance. So I often uh, talk to my students when I'm telling them about this, that we have those students who show up to class with a bag of Doritos and a Red Bull for breakfast right? uh, because that's what they like to eat. The difference between um, choosing to have that and only having access to something like that is the difference between food security and food insecurity. Right. Um, It's definitely not nutritionally adequate. Uh, It's definitely uh, not good for an active lifestyle. But if you have the choice to eat that versus that's all you have to eat uh, is the difference between food insecurity and not. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, as you were saying that, on the one hand, I was thinking, yeah, it's a choice, right? It's a choice to to eat that for breakfast. On the other hand, I had this flashback to my high school breakfast, which used to be Sunny D and Cheetos. Right. Yeah. And that was, you know, adequate for me, but obviously something right. I made the decision to eat. Right. Um, right. And, and, and to sort of build on that idea too, I mean, it, a lot of times people have a hard time thinking, you know, how can college students be food insecure? Well, right. college mm-hmm. students today are a lot different than when you and I were in college yeah. and even in high school and working one, two, three jobs just to make ends meet, the cost of college is so much more. Mm-hmm. And not everybody can afford the meal plan on campus, especially if they live on campus. Uh, on my campus, meal plans are vary in price based on how much you get. And the lowest one, which is the one that is uh, the most purchased and the most popular, uh, you only get two meals a day on it. So really? what are you going to do for that third meal? Yeah, what are you going to yeah. do for that third meal? Um, and so that's definitely not enough food 
And our food, I mean, I've, I've, I've eaten in our food and dining halls before, and they're pretty good, but still, what are you, you going to be able to fill that gap with? Yeah, I suspect that's probably exponentially bigger when, like, my college does it. My college is a commuter, a commuter campus, so right. there's no food plan, you know. Right. And there's that, no meal plan. And that, that, yeah, and that just compounds it more because it's daily life, right? And mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're going about their normal life. Plus, oh, by the way, I have to figure out how to feed everybody in my family. I'm sure that you have non-traditional students. Yep. Um, and college is something that's happening alongside life, everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we get a lot of commuters, too, a lot of transfer students, too, a lot of first-generation college students who mm-hmm. are still just trying to you know, figure out how in the world they're able to pay their tuition and fees, let alone you know, put enough food in their belly to, to be a successful student. You kind of alluded to this a little bit, but it's making me wonder, um, especially for folks who maybe want to discuss this more in class, what are what are the myths do you think that are surrounding food insecurity with college students? Well, I think we have an idealized vision of college in our society. Yeah. Um, you know, that four-year institution, that you go off and you do... Um, your studies and then you leave, you get a job and life is good, but that's, that's the ideal. And it's not the the reality for many students. Uh, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for most of the students that I've worked with uh, and that I talked to, not just from my school uh, at Eastern Illinois university, but uh, across other schools that, where I've worked with students as well. Um, you know, the myth today is that it's not just showing up, taking classes and, and going back to your dorm room and getting to study, but there's jobs, mm-hmm. there's organizations, there's mm-hmm. all sorts of different things you have to do just to be able to meet the expectations of society, internships, um, and everything costs money and everything's uh, infinitely more expensive. And so that money has to go somewhere. And if you're on a limited budget, which most students are, uh, if you're on a limited budget, you really have to, to be savvy with where your money goes. And oftentimes, if a bill comes due for rent or um, you got to make a car payment or heaven forbid you get sick, right. um, other times, you know, things have to have to suffer. A lot of times that ends up being the food. You know, I think some it's making me think that, you know, everyone's memory of something is clearer and more perfect than it actually was. So it's very easy to say, well, when I went to college, yeah. we just ate ramen and we were fine, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like that story in Elder uh, yeah. would say, I had to walk up the yeah. both ways in the <laughs> snow to get to school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just took a pizza and that would last me a week, you know? It, right. It's, but it's not, that's not the reality. Everyone's memory is sort of fuzzy because, you know, time changes things. Um, yep. And it sounds like you're dealing, when you start to pick it apart, you're dealing with bigger issues, right? Because you keep mentioning the cost right. of education. And right. we could talk for, I think, hours on yeah. how educational institutions allocate their funds um, and how that affects students. But it's kind of one of the indirect, you know, results of education costs rising that, that we're right. not talking a lot about how that affects if students can eat or if they have enough to eat. Right. 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 And if you're, you know, you're sitting in class and you're hungry because you haven't eaten since mm-hmm. lunch the day before, uh, your ability to pay attention and to absorb material is going to be dominated by that, that hunger pain in your stomach and the growling and the distraction about when you're going to 
get to eat next. That's a really good transition to the the charts and graphs you sent me, um, which I'll yeah. put up on the website. I'm going to read a few of them, um, and we can talk about how you came to the data and what it means. Yeah. Um, but you said food insecure students um, sometimes are often 89% worry about running out of food, 85% could not afford to eat balanced meals, and 86% cut the size of skipped meals um, because of money. And then what mm. I thought was really interesting, the couple of things I thought was really interesting, um, you had this progress toward graduation with people who are students who are food secure versus students who are food insecure. And progress toward graduation for food insecure students is a lot less, um, 77% to 90%. I mean, that's a big, that's a big gap if you're talking about just in terms of if, I mean, we're professors, we think about life in terms of grades, 90% as an A, 77% as a C. That's a, that's a big, a big jump. Absolutely. And for those of us who like statistics and work with this stuff, it is statistically significant. Oh, yeah. um, That large of a gap that it's, you know, one of the things that I'm interested in with what I do is um, how do we how do we set students up to be successful? Mm -hmm. And part of the the structure of the survey, the way that I have is is those responses were how they feel. They were uh, attitude types of responses. And. The, that clear difference of students who feel like they're making adequate progress towards graduation is so different between this line between food security and food insecurity. Um, you know, the data, you know, in terms of finishing credit hours and, and you know, how much um, they actually have objectively, uh, I didn't look at. But if you feel like you're not making progress, Right. And, and plus you're struggling in all these other aspects of your life. How is that going to impact your ability to to be a college student and to live that college student life and to feel successful in what you're doing and come out at the end uh, feeling like you've accomplished something? So. I guess I'm, I'd like you to talk a little bit about what led you to doing this, yeah. um, how um, your path to this research well, I've always been interested in issues of poverty and food and hunger. Um, you know, ever since I was an undergraduate student, the first sociology class I took after I declared my major was the sociology of poverty and inequality. Mm. And it changed my world. And ever since then, I've been interested in this. I, my family, um, we, weren't, we weren't by any means poor where I grew up, but we were definitely blue collar and we definitely struggled. And there was times when you know, my parents were, were um, laid off and, you know, we kind of had to cut back. So it's always been uh, close to my own personal experience. Um, and it's something I've always been interested in, just learning more and understanding because it just, you know, our, our inability to have a society that's more equal for everybody just mystifies me when there's so much available yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. to be able to do that. So in terms of the, the college students specifically, uh, it was probably about seven, maybe eight years ago. Um, I was, it was finals week. It was coming up to the holidays. It was the end of the fall semester. And um, I was getting ready to go give my statistics final. One of my students walked into the, into my office uh, and they looked like they had just been run through the ringer. They mm-hmm. looked tired, mm-hmm. bags under their eyes, just mm-hmm. ashen sort of skin, just really pale. And I knew right away what was going on. 
um, and they were struggling studying for the exam and had a couple questions and I, I stopped them and I had rapport with the student and um, they were one of our top students actually graduated with honors and everything. Um, and I just said, listen, what's going on? Uh, you look sick. You don't look like yourself. And uh, they told me that, um, that they hadn't eaten in a day and a half. Mm. Uh, the last thing they ate was a can of cold SpaghettiOs. Oh, and wow. they had just gotten their food stamp benefit uh, taken away. Wow. So they were really struggling. Yeah. And so I had a conversation with them and just kind of started digging around, reading through some of the available research. And, um, and that was, that was the, the start of it. And I've been doing this research now for a couple of years and, and trying to get, be a good advocate and activist for my students on campus because yeah. we're making sure they get fed. So this is a good transition to, um, can you talk about the food pantry that you started? Cause that you started in your office, right? Right. Yeah. So because of that, that one encounter, uh, I talked to my colleagues and, um, we decided that we were going to have a departmental food pantry. Mm-hmm. We, um, we still don't have one on campus. It's been a long fight and yeah. uh, we've gone through several layers of administration and things. And we're still, we're, we're not, we're not backing down on this yet, but yeah. Uh, I talked to my colleagues and asked them and told them what happened, asked them uh, if they would be willing to donate either some food or some money and then I could go buy some and then I'd be more than happy to oversee it in my office. Uh, And that's what we did. And uh, I still have food in my office. Since then, uh, we've been able to collaborate with other departments and offices around campus so that it's not so centralized to us. Yeah. Um, but we have, we have food all over campus now in people's offices and program offices. Um, and we work with our local food pantry, uh, to be open, uh, one night a week, uh, after hours. Uh, so they're open from, uh, 5 30 to 7 PM to serve students who might be in class during the day and couldn't make it, but other community members that work at different hours, uh, to have an opportunity to go to the food pantry as well. Uh, and we provide transportation from campus to get there too. Wow. Um, and we also got a food pantry uh, put in the basement of uh, a local Catholic church, which is right across the street from campus. Um, so we're it's doing easy a lot of access. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm going to ask you when I, when we first started talking about you doing this, this with me, I cannot lie. I cannot lie. I was thinking in my head, I want to do a show where I can talk about the cronut and all of these silly food trends. (laughs) And how can I divert that to something serious that is like an actual, you know, um, with some some meat to it conversation. But I also am fascinated by um, the intro to this episode, which you'll hear when the whole episode is spliced together. I talk about how every channel now has some sort of cupcake war show going on or some sort of you know baking show um your bread i feel someday should be a part of these (laughs) these things um but uh so you know i I sent you this question and i'm dead serious um when we talk about stuff like the cronut or all these fancy ingredients you know i get food meal kits delivered to my house um once a week every once in a while because i 
putting a menu together for the week. This is such a privileged position and I'm aware of that, but putting menus together for the week is very overwhelming for me. So, but a lot of times they have these fancy ingredients that there is no way I could go out and buy without um, dropping eight bucks on like, you know, a one ounce container of something. So are these, are these fun exercises? Are they representative of a bigger social inequality i.e. my privilege of being able to have a meal kit sent to my house. Um, are they just fun? Are they frivolous? Do they have a bigger picture that you could think of? What do you, what do you think? Um, see, it would be great. It would be great if it was more democratic in a way because mm-hmm. we have choices and, you know, I could definitely get these meal kits ordered. Um, and you know, I see boxes around town where I live and they're on people's porches when they get delivered. Um, and it's, it really is a special position. I mean, mm-hmm. we are, we are privileged people. Uh, and, and that's the thing I, you know, I liken it to what it would be like to shop on a food stamp budget. Okay. Yeah. And I, and if I have, if I have a, a food, if I receive food stamps, I can't go to the corner artisan bakery Yep. And pull pull out my electronic card yep. and order a cronut. Right. <laughs> um, I I can go to the grocery store and get the prepackaged mm-hmm. powdered donuts that were made three months ago in a factory far, far away. Right. Um, similar experience, probably some similar ingredients, uh, completely different clock level. And yep. like so much, uh, food is very class based. Yes. You, you know, you can walk uh, through the, the grocery stores, at least the ones I'm familiar with, and there'll actually be tags uh, on the shelves that say what is eligible if you are yes. using food stamps mm-hmm. or if you're using WIC, which is the Women, Infants, and Children's Program. And, you know, if I'm going in, and some, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'll buy some of that stuff just because it's cheap and easy you know but if i'm if i'm a discerning shopper and i have that uh sort of feel about the world i'm not going to pick that stuff up right if i have the choice right so so it is you know it is quite a privilege um and food is a good marker of class yes uh and um i you know i i would err on on the former that it's it's fun right It's, it's neat to go have a treat but when you have the choice or not to, it's a lot different than when you don't have that choice at all. Yeah. And I think sometimes that treat is the marker of the social class too, right? Like I can afford avocado right. toast or I can afford beet chips or, or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more episodes of Most Popular on iTunes and SoundCloud. More information, including additional resources for educators, can be found on my website, which is adriantrier-beanick.com. The website is linked in episode notes, in case you want to know how to spell it. And I am on Instagram at at dr.adrienntb. That's at dr.adrienntb. Thank you so much to my students for the encouragement to keep making these episodes, and I will see you all next time.